There is more hardware coming to Cleveland. We got silver sluggers to talk about. We have players who are electing free agency from the minors. And we have a little bit of uh, some minor league postseason awards and then a little bit of chatter around some of the rumor mill getting going on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. I am Jeff Ellis. This is Lockdown Guardians. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, for those who don't know me, I'm Jeff Ellis. I've been the host of said podcast since the beginning. Um, I am currently in the running for the world champion interruption crown. So please root me on for that. Uh, on top of writing for a lot of places, you know, uh, basically. Every year for a while at draft season, I would write a small novel, not small. I was writing 90 to 120,000 words. So I was writing a uh, high fantasy novel of draft. And uh, we'll talk about some of those players on today's show that I wrote about. Uh, Justin, let them know about you. Uh, I am Justin Latta, co-host of said podcast uh, for a little over a month now, going strong. Uh, this podcast may be all, all we have left when the uh, Twitterverse burns down. I owe all of I, I'm comfortable saying that I owe my entire writing. A, anybody that's ever had cared a word of what I've ever thought or wrote or said comes from Twitter. I'm comfortable saying that. I would not. Nobody. I don't think anybody cares what I say, really. But if anybody does, it's definitely because of Twitter. Uh, so this podcast may be all we have left. But uh, I wrote words at all kinds of places that people would have had me. And currently the managing editor at Guardian Spaceball Insider, which I'm hoping stays alive if Twitter does burn down. That's weird. I, you know, we were talking off air and people are probably like, don't get political, even though like we're only talking about the weird state of Twitter. But just like, why is not so, why isn't there someone smarter than us who's just making an exact clone? Just call it, you know, Bluebird and then go from there. We would all migrate over. Um, but now we migrate, you know that. <laughs> oh, man, that was it was completely unintentional. I wish <laughs> I could say that was on purpose. But uh, to give you just kind of a general general mind state. Uh, it was a rough day at school. Uh, I know the full moon was a few days ago, but it was a rough day at school. And then uh, I had a kid throwing up till 3 a.m. So then I got to go to bed and then wake up at 530 to take the other kid to school. So uh, if I seem a little fried, uh, that is why. Uh, things that are not fried. Jose Ramirez won the Silver Slugger. It is fourth Silver Slugger. And even in a down year, he still had the highest war of any American League third baseman. If he was in the National League, he probably really wouldn't have stood a chance for this award because the National League was so strong this year at third base. Uh, you know, there might be those out there saying, you know, Devers technically was a little bit better because offensively he had a 140 to 139 runs created plus. Uh, we can get into the debate of what slugger means. Like, what is this? What is a silver slugger? What is like the official title for the award? But one can also point out as we were kind of debating off air and I'm like, let's stop. We can debate this on air. Uh, the best runs created plus of any third baseman this year who played 100 more games uh, was not Devers in the American League. It was not Jose Ramirez in the American League. It was Yandy Diaz. 
Yeah, that, that's going to be a weird argument because there's going to be a lot of people who would argue in years past that Jose Ramirez deserved more love for MVP and other awards and he didn't get it because a lot of people go by like war and way to runs creative plus. And now I think a lot of people will say, well, he had the best way to, or he didn't have the best. Maybe way to runs creative plus shouldn't be the driver of this award. I don't know. The gold glove, they tell you it's voted on by coaches, but it also, there's some, um, sabermetric research that goes along with it in addition to coaches votes. So do they ever tell you the formula for silver slugger? I mean, I know, I know the Rawlings specifically says that is the formula. So the silver slugger award has been awarded since 1980 to the best offensive player at each position in the American league as determined by the coaches and managers. They're permitted. They're not permitted to vote for their own players. The voters are considered several offensive categories, including batting average, slugging percentage, and on base percentage, as well as their general impressions of a player's overall offensive value. I I have to guess that, not that Jose doesn't deserve the award. I think you can make an argument for either of them and be fine. Yeah. If you you told me Devers won the award, I'd say, yeah, he deserved it. You told me Jose wins the award, I'd I'd say he deserved it. I'm going to be a little bit leery on Yanni Diaz. I know the term slugger is, is weird here. Like, it goes it, it it goes by position. Third base is a position where you're supposed to get a lot of offense out of. And yes, he had a, a 140 way to run creative plus. And value comes from different places offensively. A 402 on base, which is what Diaz had this year, right? 402. 401. You were close. 401. Okay, um, that's valuable. I would you argue that Jose's 127 RBIs are more valuable? Um, just stolen bases count because that's not really batting, but it, it adds value offensively. Like there's so many different ways you can add offense and Jose adds through power and speed and he takes his walks, doesn't strike out. Yandy, it's just all average and walks, not really any power. Devers is all power and batting average. I don't know. It's all splitting hairs. I think all, I mean, personally, I wouldn't vote for, if I didn't vote for Jose, if I wouldn't have voted for Jose, I would vote for Devers. I wouldn't vote for Yandy personally yeah just to to give kind of some thought process to why yandy maybe should get a little more love uh you know a 401 on base 350 for 350s for the other two the other two had uh but then the other side of it is the other two were like you know five teens and five twenties for slugging and yandy yandy's 423 and runs created plus takes everything of offensive value and boils it down to one metric that's why it's so useful so again, if you're just awarding the best offensive player, there is one metric that says who was the most effective offensive player, and at third base this year, by that metric, it was Yandy Diaz. And it's not the end all be all, but I'm just saying yeah. I think he's he should be in the debate, and I don't think he was even nominated. Like I don't, I don't think know. he was a top three finalist, but he probably should have been. Who was the third? I'm gonna look right now. I probably should have done that beforehand, <laughs> but I. Uh, Finalists. Let's see. Your finalists as I try and pull up this article at third base. Yeah, he didn't make it. Matt Chapman and Alex Bregman were the other two. Didn't Chapman have a down year offensively? Yeah. Well, Chapman ended up uh, 12th among all third basemen uh, in runs created plus. He was below Gio Urshela. He was below Eugenio. Eugenio Suarez probably should have been in the debate for this, honestly. Uh, Bregman rebounded, so he actually ended up fourth overall in in wrc plus but uh i would argue okay if you're gonna push in bregman chapman shouldn't be in there it should be suarez or diaz um and i would i would say diaz but i think you know i I don't even think 
you know, here we go. Hot take incoming. I don't think Chapman deserved to be top five amongst third baseman for Silver Slugger. I'm with you. I, I thought he didn't have a good year either. My own, my only final thought on this because it's it's still Silver Slugger, but um, yeah. I think saying like why way to run creative plus is how you should decide. I know you said it's not the end all be all, but that would be like saying, well, whoever has the lowest FIP among pitchers is the Cy Young Award winner, and nobody nobody does that. So it's the same. It's the same thing for and and these are coaches. Let's be honest. I don't think there are coaches and managers in the league who are going to fan graphs and being like, all right, who had the w- the highest WRC plus? No, they're going like with the guy that, you know, offensively kicked their butt this year. And they were like, man, we don't want to pitch to this guy. And how many teams continually walked Jose Ramirez? They didn't want to pitch to him. Even, even when his, you know, when his thumb was hurting him and he was an average player in the second half, he was still getting intentionally walked like once a game. So didn't he leave the league in intentional walks this year? I believe so. Yeah, and I'm gonna look that up. While you look that up, it's like before I get angry comments on the YouTube here because I will uh, <laughs> about about my Yandi defense. I'm not saying he is a slam dunk for the award. What I'm just trying to say is he should have gotten some love. Like I think that is yeah. what I'm more trying to get. Like I'm not saying he should have won it, but I'm saying based on that number, he should have been in the discussion. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not saying he should have won. I think. You know, Ramirez, Devers, those guys just make sense for it right now. Uh, after this year, they make a lot of sense. I just, and people are going to be like, it's because you've liked Yandi forever. And it's like, yeah, I have liked Yandi forever. There was, you know, he was a guy who I saw perform excellently and thought could perform. But he had a fantastic year. And I think it would be nice for a guy like him who's never really been in any awards hunt to at least have been a finalist. Like, I think that's all I'm trying to say. Like, Diaz should be on the podium. I'm not saying he needs to be at the top, but I wish he had made the podium. I definitely agree with that. By the way, uh, Jose, 20 intentional walks this year. Uh, one more than Aaron Judge to lead the league this season. Does that speak more to fear of him or how little fear there was for Josh Naylor? Uh, I'm gonna. I'm definitely going to say both. I'm going to say it's both. Yeah. And Naylor had a fantastic year, but that definitely to me is like, okay, if we get past Jose – Especially if you have a lefty pitcher, you know Naylor, and then you knew after him was Owen Miller. So, hey, it gets easy skating there. Uh, Now that I have made a snide comment, why don't we take our first break and come back? And we got, you know, some players who elected free agency. I've always kind of liked to talk about the players on their way out. And it is also interesting in general. Well, I'm going to say there's I have a point to make on why we specifically should be watching the number of players that file for free agency. But I'm going to save that. You have to come back and hear that. Uh, But first, a word from our sponsors. And as you know from the top of the show, today's sponsors are our fantastic friends over on at Bet Online. Listen, I go to Bet Online because they've got you covered. They have all the props, odds, and data you would need on who's going to excel across any sport you can imagine. And it's not just sports. Uh, I didn't check to see if they had the uh, election odds, but I know a year ago, This was a company that was doing the election. Whatever it is that you are interested in, you can find it over at Bet Online. Uh, I've talked about there are Mount Rushmore sponsors. They've been with us forever. It is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Hey, go find, occasionally you can find the hard to find radio broadcast for whatever it is that you love sports wise. Just go check it out. It's interesting. If you're like me and you don't really know a lot about betting, 
Uh, it's an easy to navigate site where you can go and kind of learn some basics too. Another fact about our friends over at Bet Online. So I, okay. My original point before the break was this idea of it's good to track how many players um, go because nowadays one of those underrated details is there's a maximum number of minor league players you can have. And I believe it's 180. Is that right? But 190 in the off season. Yes, it is 180 yes. during the season. Stateside, it's stateside. Uh, stateside guys in yeah. the Dominican do not count. So it's, so. but all of those draft picks who didn't play didn't count, but they all have to be added in the offseason. So, like Chase uh, DeLotter didn't count, but he has to be added now. So, I think they needed to open up like 10 spots, maybe, uh, maybe a little bit less than that um, overall. Um, I think those those guys are added. Let me check. I think those guys did count because remember um, who was it? Uh, the guy from Arizona state pitched and a few pitched, but I think the ones who had not technically, I think you know, I was talking to somebody who knows a little bit more about this than me. And they talked about the fact that like, if they didn't play, they didn't count until the off season begins. And then the one, okay. once it expands, that's why they don't specifically why the guardians have some guys not play is because then it's like, they can run with one eighty. And then 10 of those guys just immediately shift when the season shifts to that. So there's a few spots to clear up uh, if they were at max. Um, so we've had, I believe, and uh, I got my information um, for who is leaving from a great little Twitter account uh, at JL underscore baseball. So if you're not checking that one out, go maybe check that one out. Uh, there's no way uh, it's it, a real account. It's got to be fake. Are you sure? Did you did you check if I that think, was real? I think they paid for a check mark to make to say like to to claim that the uh, the Guardians were going to sign Jose Abreu. Did I? I think I saw. That sounds right. Yeah, it sounds like worth seven years, one hundred sixty million. Wasn't that the the fake Passan or one hundred seventy million? I can't remember. Yeah. Either way, uh, you know, we Tanner Tully's already left or already been talked about. Uh, we haven't talked about him. I still think he's going to come back eventually as a coach. Uh, I think it's great. He got an opportunity. Maybe he'll get a better opportunity out there. So that's one spot. Uh, I'm going to, you know, looking at this list, all I could think about was Mitchell Tolman's weird year in AAA where he performed exceptionally well. Uh, there was, but he's an infielder, so he had no chance in heck. Uh, you know, do you have any thoughts between Garza, Hamilton, and Collins? Not really. I mean, Garza was on the roster last year for a hot minute, which, I never would have expected so good for him. I actually, for one, at one time, I was a fan of Justin Garza. I had him ranked in like a top 50 as a pitcher, had like a nice kitchen sink repertoire and kind of an athletic delivery. And then he got a pop in velocity when he went to the bullpen. That was good. Um, just never, never had the stuff to compete in the zone, I guess. Twice really drafted. The issue there. Yeah, they really liked him. They, they have always liked Justin Garza. And, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him show up in someone else's bullpen down the road. I think he's got at least, you know, uh, mop-up, long guys type of stuff, which is a role he played last year. I never would have expected him to make the roster, truthfully. Um, Tolman did have a good first half, and then he kind of faded off. But um, that was just a depth signing, really. Gavin Collins, I will say, I thought for a while would be a sleeper. Uh, I didn't know how he really was as a catcher, but offensively, he was pretty solid. He can also play third. I think he was what I thought David. He thought he'd become what David Fry is right now, which is a guy who like offers you enough uh, intriguing depth at catcher while playing other positions and having a nice right-handed bat. But that didn't work out. And then Ian Hamilton, as we know, just came over for Sandy Leone, who 
had some of the best defensive numbers with the Twins when he left, right? Is that right? Did you look it up the other day? I was just, it was funny. His pop times were higher than a lot of guys at his age. It was like, what? He's got really still elite level pop times. Uh, yeah, Co- Collins was interesting because there was various points when I was talking with people who used to be writing buddies who now work for major league teams who really liked him, where it's like part of the reason like five years ago when you talked about the great depth in the Guardians minors. And now I look at what it was five years ago and it's like today blows it out of the water. Was it's like Gavin Collins is someone like, hey, you know, he could be a, a potential like backup. Like he's got a good bat. He can play a few positions like he's one of those guys that shows there's great depth. Uh, and yeah, no, I agree. I everything you said, I'm just going to agree on. But that's five spots opened up. Uh, you know, I I wish them all well. I hope they all land in wherever six if you include six if you include Jose Hermine. Yes. Good call. I thought about that. I talked over you there. That was my fault. No, no. uh, Literally, as you were saying it, I was thinking it. Uh, So, you know, we were kind of aligned in thought that never happens, but yeah, no, it's six spots and we'll see what continues to occur. I just had my, my brain shut down. So what was our other part of segment two here today? Uh, It was going to be the minor league awards. Thank you. (laughs) More, more minor league awards uh, in the system. And yesterday, I think this, I'm not sure if we missed the news yesterday. If it just came out today, I'm going to look because I think it might've been yesterday. We might've overlooked this, but uh, yeah, it was, it was yesterday. Um, Jonathan Rodriguez made the, Midwest League All-Star team in the outfield. He was the only Guardians prospect on that list. He had 21 home runs at, at low at high A before he got promoted. Look, he had a great year. I'm not gonna lie. He had a great year. He was it was a really hot tear in like the end of his time there, like the last, I want to say six, eight weeks. Like he had a he had a home run in like four or like six uh, uh games at a 10 game homestand. Like he was he was just as hot as you can get as a hitter. Great power. Um, more power than I thought he'd ever have as a prospect when he was drafted. He was drafted at age 17. Remember that in 2017? He was a switch hitting third outfielder. Rounder. Yeah, third rounder. Switch hitting outfielder out of the Carlos Beltran Academy. Um, and everyone said this is a guy that's going to take a while to marinate in the minors. And he's got some some tools. And um, the big thing he was lauded for was his plate discipline. He always had walked. This year, the walks kind of went down, and he kind of sold out for power. The strikeouts are way up. We talked about him during when we talked about roll five, you know. Great arm from the outfield. Uh, so kind of like Gonzalez, where the arm's good, and everything else in the outfield is, is leaves a lot to be desired. And I remember that – I don't want to say the reason he didn't get promoted sooner, because I think a lot of us in Lake County this year were like, oh, why is Rodriguez still in, in high A? Because he's been tearing it up for like, you know, a month now. Why is he still here? And I think some of it had to do with defense. He was showing, he had to show more effort on defense. You know, that was the thing they pointed out because we would ask about his home runs like every game, like, all right, Rodriguez just hit a, his fourth home run in the last six games. What do you think? Um, and then towards the end, they would just say like, oh, I, you know, you really see a difference out there with him on defense. And I'm like, okay, we keep asking about home runs and the coaches keep saying defense. So uh, I guess that says something there about effort or something, but uh Good season. Not going on the 40. I don't think anyone will take him. I don't think anybody – outfield's so hard. Like, everyone's going to say Anthony Santander, right? But uh, 
That's that's a very that's a that's the that's the exception, not the rule, you know. And you know he was hurt, which made it easier. And at the right. time, like the internal reports on Santander were over the moon. Like there were some people I really trusted in the organization. And I'm trying to think specifically what old timer it was, who was like like this was their favorite prospect since Manny Ramirez. Like someone told me that in terms of like swing path. And there were a lot of people I trust and talk to who love Santander and it's not to knock Rodriguez, but there isn't that with him. He's an interesting player. He has a potential, he has the potential to maybe, you know, pull an Oscar Gonzalez and prove people wrong. Cause there is a lot of similarities there, I think in profile, but Santa Santander, the internal talk. I mean, I had him, there was kind of, as I recall, I, I couldn't remember exactly who's on the list, but there was like an elite top three and then kind of like a next grouping of two. And he was the next guy. He was like a sixth ranked guy for me that year. Uh, they're very different. And that's just, you know, my point on it. Because, yes, I, I can see that coming as well. He had a great year. But Santander was one of those guys who, from the minute he came in the system, we thought that he had great potential, the swing path, the approach. Everything was there for him to excel. And then he finally put it all together and, and he got taken. And then there was me on the sidelines. I think I might've been the only one screaming the whole time. Cause you know, that was the year um, who was like the, the fourth out. Like you know, he was like an eighth outfield type who they had like come from the angels, who was like a center fielder who played for them that they protected over him. I can't even think what that outfielder's name was, but like they had some really bad veteran types that it was silly. I think, I think Rodriguez originally would have been what they hoped or what, you know, becoming Santander would be like a great outcome for him. But he, you know, Santander was a true such hitter and Rodriguez stopped switch hitting a few years ago. And I don't know how Santander is defensively, but uh, not good. Rodriguez. Yeah. Rodriguez probably has a better arm than Santander. Plus, you know, Santander had Tommy John. So, that's another thing, but yeah, Rodriguez is healthy. Don't worry about that. So I think the odds are low. I'm not worried about that. And then, and high and low A. Sorry, and low A. The only um, <clears throat> player to make an All Star team <clears throat> for Cleveland in the Carolina League was Will Dion, and he was the Carolina League Pitcher of the Year. Um, great season for him. Uh, he got to he got to Lake County. Yeah. Just to say, uh, appropriate to talk about him on the day that Clayton Kershaw resigns, right? Because that's what everyone comps him to. Very poor, you know, like it's a terrible comp to put on anyone. And I understand it's some degree of it is mechanical, but uh, I just want to go ahead and point out when you see that comp, uh, that always makes me cringe. So I'm sure it makes you cringe. He is, there are some interesting mechanical simil- similarities. I get that. But uh, what a, a great story out of McNeese State, uh, I want to say. And Man, that whole pitching class, uh, Leftwich and Dion, Bybee, it's almost like the day two guys have eclipsed the day one guys. I mean, Gavin Williams is great as well. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, some of those guys are really up and down. You know, they went, what, 21 or 19 out of 21 picks were pitchers. And because it was, what, Connor Knox and Jake Fox, I think the only non-pitchers. And then 19 out of 21 were of those 19, 18 were college players. Like they had a type, but they executed it flawlessly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, Oh, there was Rodney Boone who had a good year too. He was mm-hmm. in that same class. Uh, yeah, it was a good class. I definitely, Denim, you know, who yeah, had, Denim had an up stuff. and down year. 
Uh, Jake Miller ended up having Tommy John. That was a bummer. They spent a lot of money on Jake Miller at the end of the draft, actually. Um, but yeah, well, Dion, well, I definitely deserved. I mean, I, he had the best numbers in, in the Carolina League. And again, this is coaches voting. Uh, coaches and managers are voting on this award. So they're just picking the best guys out there. I will say, <clears throat> I like Dion. He's a good kid. I talked to him a lot this year. He, I talked to him a couple times this year. Really good kid. Um, the story of how he got. Clayton Kershaw's pitching mechanics is hilarious. I did a story on that, so you can Google that or something. It's funny. Um, but I, I just, you know, he, he barely scrapes 90. Like, he's throwing, like, on a good day this year, he was throwing, like, 91. Like, it was 88 to 90 most days, and um, that's a very limited profile. He's got a good curveball. He's got a good changeup. He no doubt has to add velocity. I know the control is good. Um the numbers are good. He missed bats. He's definitely deceptive and sneaky. It's not like he's doing this with, you know, no talent. He's a very good pitcher. He can, he's, he's a pitcher. He's not a thrower. You know what I mean? But he's, you know, you're always going to have doubts about those guys that, that throw 88 to 90, like, especially the way the game's going to velocity. It's hard. It's hard to know if a guy's going to succeed. Like Josh Tomlin did it for a couple years. But, you know, he only succeeded for so long doing that. I guess Dion could be a left-handed Josh Tomlin, but how, how much do those guys succeed anymore as starters, like the major league level? Not many. Um, you got to miss bats. I mean, that's just the name and of the he game has. anymore because he has. And, it, yeah, he has. But more like, I guess when you're comparing someone to Tomlin, it's like, would Tomlin be as successful nowadays? I don't know because he didn't really miss enough bats. So if – and Tomlin miss, you know, you're going to miss less bats as you move up the ladder. So he's got to continue to do it. And if he continues to do it, who knows? Maybe he, you can get by with lower velocity if you're tunneling or shaping and things like that, that I am not as in the know on. I mean, I understand tunneling. I understand shaping, but like, I don't know who's doing it super well in the lower minors. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's certainly an interesting guy. Uh, they have kind of struggled to develop left-handed pitching. I mean, left-handed starting pitching is just, non-existent for the last decade with this team uh so i mean good for him and it's a great development story why don't we take our next break here we can come back uh get into you know a few more things that we you know talked about at the top of the show uh it's we have everything planned it's going to be a fun discussion here for segment three so make sure to tune in and we are back for segment three here Justin, why don't you lead us off as, again, my brain is slowly turning to mush from the two hours of sleep I got last night. Well, the only bit of news I had today, this is just kind of MLB trade rumors focused because they're good at aggregating and, and finding this stuff. But um, I did see a story today that said that the, the White Sox are looking at coming in around $180 million to start the season for their payroll, and they're currently at 170 so... Now we lose you ten million dollars to to find upgrades, and that's going to include not having Jose Abreu back. You know what? What if it's truly ten million dollars? What are they going to do with that roster? And that is a roster with some massive holes. Um, listen, they they were at points last year running three first basemen at a time, so I, they can't bring back Jose Abreu. They can't. They just it, it makes no sense with Sheets and with Vaughn. Uh, they need an outfielder. That means they're not in on Nimmo. Like, where are they going to go? How low can they go? 
They let Harrison go, so they need a second baseman. They don't have, I mean, I guess you're hoping Colas can step in, but at the same time, I mean, even if you're running with uh, Sheets and Vaughn as your first base in DH, and you have Aloy Jimenez in left field, who is one of the worst defenders in baseball, they're, it's, they are a good team, but they are a very flawed team, and one wonders like how are they going to make this all work like do they you know one of the hot mini rumors is that they might consider moving giolito for help because he's going to get expensive and he hasn't been as effective since that you know uh he wasn't as effective this year he wasn't even a two-win player uh he's also in you know he was at his age 24 25 and 26 and then we're at age 27 he kind of things backed up a bit and now he's really pricey and they're probably not going to extend him so does he become a trade commodity to help them get an outfielder? There could be some interesting deals to be had. I also want to say MLB trade rumors is a great asset for many things, most notably uh, arbitration estimates and, um, you know, just aggregation. aggregation of data. But like I saw the piece today that said the Guardians, uh, two of their our writers picked the Guardians to sign J.D. Martinez. Don't take that as um, any type of thing other than like, hey, they need a Martinez is a right-handed bat, right? So they need a right-handed bat. So like, that's all that is. There's uh, it's same thing. Like when you see the articles again, MLB is obviously a great site. They have many great writers, but they do like every third article is every single team. When you write about every single team, you're looking for hits. You're not providing inside information. Uh, so don't take anything where it's like, these are the 30 players that could be traded just because they have to hit all 30 teams. Like that's, and again, it's not to, to ding the work it's not to ding the writing ability they're all real well written everything's good but as someone who used to be a writer i'm i'm not anymore let's be honest justin's the writer here on the show i am not but i would sit there and do all of those little things when i was writing my uh my draft pieces because it gets you more content and you you know i don't know how it is at those sites but when i was at scouting 24 7 I would get more from my my ad revenue than from my subscribers. So that it's important that you get a lot of views. So there's ways we go about doing that. So it's not to ding anyone. It's not to say anything they're doing is wrong. It's an interesting read. I still, you know, I still went and read the piece on MLB.com. It's it's a, it's still interesting to go read the logic of it. So that's kind of I just wanted to give my and also be very aware that blue check marks don't mean anything anymore. Like, that's the other thing to say. Just be very aware of that. And then also know who are um, jerks, for lack of a better word, who are going to provide false information. So just check everything. Right now is the season of people who think it's funny to try to get people, and it's not. Let me tell you, as a person who – this is one of the many industries I've worked in. I've worked in a lot of industries because I'm, I'm a marketer during the day. My, my, day, my nine to five is in marketing. Um, and currently my market, my sector is cybersecurity. Uh, so let me tell you, as somebody who has learned a lot about cybersecurity over the last year, use the three second rule. And that comes with emails, you know, don't click on, you know, use the three second rule, read an email before you click on a link or you decide it's a good, you know, it's a, a real email Do the same thing on social media. Take a few seconds, read it, check the profile and then decide if it's the real thing. Like Ken Rosenthal tweeted tonight that Clayton Kershaw is re-signed with the Dodgers on a one-year deal. And I had to I had to open his page. I had to go check it. And I had to make sure it was the real Ken Rosenthal. And it was. Take the time. 
especially like I guess if you're just a like a person who likes to use Twitter as a whatever, it's fine. But I'm just saying, take take the time to actually look at this stuff. It's it's a great test in media literacy, social media literacy, which I guess I enjoy as a social experiment because I think it's gone down the tubes the last several years, and this is only going to make it worse. So um, don't make yourself look stupid. Take three seconds to read things. And that includes emails. Don't click on emails that um, could give you ransomware. That's my plug for, for cybersecurity on top of uh, just checking social media for verification for things. The blue check mark, you're right, is is, is damaged forever. It's, yeah, it's and... I don't want this to be like a, a locked on Mavericks type of deal or not Mavericks. Oh, locked on Mavericks is like one of the best shows in the network, uh, a locked on warriors type of deal. I don't want anyone to think that I am talking badly about any sites or anyone doing their thing. I think a lot of those places do some really good analysis. I think they do a lot of good in-depth stuff. We're not insulting anyone's ability uh, as a writer. I think, you know, everyone we've talked about is like, like I said, I think it was Mark Feinstein, Feinstein who wrote that article uh, on MLB, and I thought it was a very well-written, entertaining, and interesting article. I did gain knowledge from it. I still recommend going and reading it, but I also don't want to have to deal with what I've had to deal with the past few years, where an article like that pops up and everyone assumes, hey, this player's on the market. That's not what the author is saying, too. So just, I'm just saying, take some time, and right now is the season of people being jerks and trying to get you, and not that the MLB or MLB Trade Rumors is trying to do that, but understand there are people who are trying to jerks there's also people who are trying to get hits and you know just take your time and, and have fun with it and yes you can dream big right now but also realize cleveland's not gonna do anything until december at the earliest outside of the rule five uh you know rostering what did we say was it a couple episodes ago uh the PSA. no 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 um, in a couple episodes ago we said about, about twitter and the, P, the psa if cleveland is involved in a, okay first of all when there's a rumor there's a rumor coming out from anybody, and there's a lot of people like Mark Feinstein usually has some in, inside info too. Yeah. He could, he's no, he's great. Of, yeah, he's been doing this for a lot of years. But always remember who the rumor stands to benefit. Why? Why is that rumor out there? If somebody leaked it from a team to a reporter, there's a reason why it's out there. It's to benefit one of the teams, an agent, a player, uh, and, and and we've seen from past past history that. Teams are calling for blah, blah, blah. Yeah. How many times in, in, was it the 2018 offseason? I think Corey Kluber was traded to the Dodgers like nine different times by Twitter and reports. Never happened. So when there's smoke around Cleveland, usually it's just uh, either they're leaking it for leverage or somebody is leaking it using them as leverage. So usually when things happen for Cleveland, it's it just it's it's already on the verge of happening. There's not like a lot of lead up to it. There was I'm trying to think of the times they've really been in the news that really happened like that. Like there was some lead up to the Encarnacion thing that kept saying, Well, Cleveland's interested, but they don't know about the money, and then the contract fell into their range at the time they were comfortable with. There was a little bit of lead up to that. The Bauer and Clevenger trades, everybody knew they were being traded just because of what had happened in their situations here, but there wasn't a lot of like Oh, this this is a trade offer, or this is a team that's interested. There wasn't a lot of that. It was just, hey, these guys are are being talked about in the trade market, and then boom, they were traded. There was no, you know, days of speculation of of rumors of players and where they were going. It was just, hey, these guys are possibly going to be traded. So just always yeah. be aware. That's how that's how Cleveland gets involved in that stuff. Not not the uh, 
constant uh, rumors of interest, sources say, this kind of stuff. Yeah, and you're going to see a lot of like rumor, interest, and sources say, because there's also the people who just lie. Uh, because then they can come back and be like, hey, I had it first. Like That is Ugh. a subset I- that does exist. Now, there are people who are great at reporting and do have it first and have good informational lines. I don't want to, again, be degrading anyone. But, uh, you know, I can talk about, like, with Clevenger going to someone when it came out. Like, he's going to be, it took like 48 hours after his first announcement he was going to be traded to the Padres for it to happen. And I had talked to someone who's like, no, they're still talking to the Blue Jays at the time. Like, there was still an internal discussion when it was being said that it was done. So, you know, yeah, that person ended up being right who announced it. I can't remember who it was. But, uh, I was told that it was not not done. Like it was like okay, they were getting all their final deals together. They did like that one the best, but it was not a sure situation. So there's always that rush. So this is turning into like our PSA of don't get your heart broken, don't get it stomped on, don't don't look know, stupid, don't look stupid. And you know, at the end of the day, more than anything else, like trust this front office because while I trusted them on Clevenger and was like the biggest defender of that deal, I I mean I hated. The Lindor trade. I mean, I was, you know, I'm talking about when I got wrong. I was told, I thought that was an awful trade. I wanted, I wanted Dom Smith. I wanted at least JD Davis. I wanted someone with some, you know, I don't want two shortstops. <laughs> Not a good take in retrospect, but uh, this, like, you know, we talked about with Antonetti earlier this week. You can go back and listen to the show where we talked about him winning the manager or the uh, GM of the year award. He, you don't get him. We're warning about don't get got right now. Like no one gets him. the The bad moves are hard to find. He's there. It's such a well run front office, top to bottom, with so many, you know, brilliant people. That uh, at the end of the day, if a trade for Sean, let's say Sean Murphy ends up going to New York instead, like I joked about on yesterday's show, then you know maybe they just viewed it as they didn't want to give up those assets, and there's probably a pretty good reason why. So maybe people don't want to hear that or don't want to be like. You can't second, you know, you need to second guess them. And I will if I don't agree. But I also always have the caveat that they are so much better at this than I could ever hope to be. They're playing chess when I'm playing tic tac toe. <laughs> Skip right checkers. Wow, yeah, no, no, I'm not even at checkers. I'm, I'm at tic tac toe. I'm not even that close. I'm at hangman. I think that's where I'm at. Um, yeah, to, you can count you can count the misses on one hand. Tobias Myers is going to end up being one. I mean, we don't even know Junior Caminero how good he's going to be, but Tobias Myers was not good for Cleveland, so that's bad enough. Um, yeah, there's just you can count on one hand. One thing before we get out of here, I'm just going to say one more piece of news I just saw pop up on the good old uh, Twitter machine. You can still call it that while it still exists. Uh, Fran Mill Reyes, minor league free agent, or he's a free agent. Period. He uh, was outrighted off the Cubs forty man roster. Interesting. You know, he had a decent bounce back for that. Yeah. See, what do I see when I'm on Twitter? I already see, you know, I appreciate Lamole on uh, on Twitter. I think he's entertaining, but his tweet right out is uh, JD Martinez, you are a Cleveland guardian. And that's exactly why I sit back. And we had that thing at the top where it's like, don't think just because it's posted that it's even all that likely. And I would say there's a 0% chance of JD Martin. They want flexibility. And he is he's a DH anymore. So that's my, that's my take. I think it is a horrid fit. So I, I don't see that happening at all on any level ever. Uh, now that I've said that, he will be signing tomorrow. Yep. My famous last words for sure. Yeah. But uh, we appreciate you all uh, for sticking around, letting us have some fun. We've been doing these long shows. Uh, let us know what you think. Do you like the long show? Make sure you 
comment about that and let people know. Uh, in terms of the YouTube, last I checked, we were at 854. We gained four more since yesterday, so getting closer to that 1,000. And I want to keep this under 40, so end this the way every show ends. Go, go, Guardians, go.